Welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody's favorite cinema podcast, Looking California and Feeling Minnesota. My name is Michael McCaffrey. I'm the Looking California portion of the program. I am a remarkably attractive young man who works as a writer and an acting coach in sunny Southern California, hence the Looking California part of the program. And I'm joined by everybody's favorite Minnesotan. He's feeling Minnesota right now. His name is Barry Anderson. Barry, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm neither young nor attractive, uh, but I am the feeling Minnesota side. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a director based out of the Twin Cities, and uh, you know, I get hired to go tell stories and create beautiful images, and uh, and uh, get paid for such. There you go. And just you know, the inside joke uh, for our listeners who've not seen us is that. I am not looking California. In fact, I look very Minnesota and I feel very Minnesota. So it's really just looking awful and feeling Minnesota. That's basically should be the name of this show. Um, <laughs> that's the, that's I'm, update, the I'm updating in right iTunes right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, today is going to be a wonderful day. We, uh, I reached out to Barry. I, I've been a little under the weather the last few weeks, so I've not been able to go to the movies. But I finally got to go to the movies this week and I saw a movie and I reached out to Barry and said, hey, I just saw this movie. Why don't you watch it and we'll pot about it? And he replied promptly and said, let's do it. So here we are. We're going to do it. And the movie is the number one movie in the land for the last two weeks. Anyway, it is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It's obviously a Marvel movie. And uh, it has a budget of $200 million. It's already made $715 million. I, I, it's doing extraordinarily well at the box office. The film is the 28th movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's not even counting uh, the TV shows on Disney Plus and all that stuff, which, uh, as I'm sure we'll get into in this movie, are quite relevant to the story. Um, Doctor Strange is... A sequel uh, in the Multiverse of Madness is a sequel to the 2016 movie, Doctor Strange, which, you know, did pretty good. Uh, Doctor Strange is played by Benedict Cumberbatch, and the movie also stars Elizabeth Olsen reprising her role as Wanda Maximoff slash the Scarlet Witch. Uh, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor is in it, Benedict Wong, um, Sophie Gomez, uh, Rachel Adams, uh, a whole bunch of people, a bunch of famous people. Uh, quite remarkably, the film is directed by Sam Raimi. And Sam Raimi, of course, is uh, known for making horror movies in, uh, in the 90s and for making the three Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, the film is, of course, Marvel, Disney Studios, and it tells the story of a young woman, a teenage girl. I think she's a teenager. Um, her name's America Chavez. And she shows up in Doctor Strange's life and everything goes haywire because she has the ability to jump from universe to universe in the multiverse. And apparently that's not something people can do in, I don't know, that's the point. Now, Doctor Strange gets involved because, oh boy, this plot, uh, 
Scarlet Witch. I'm, wants I'm just to get sitting a hold. back and, and, and waiting yeah. to see how you're going to describe this. This is this is going to be the uh, best part of the podcast. So Doctor uh, Doctor Strange is trying to protect America Chavez from Scarlet Witch, who wants to jump to a different universe to be with her kids that don't exist in this universe. This is all the background for this is uh, on the TV show WandaVision, which was actually a pretty good show. It was. Um, and so you, you sort of need to watch that to understand what's going on in this. Um, so Doctor Strange and America Chavez are like jumping from universe to universe. Scarlet Witch is hunting them down. There's all sorts of twists and turns. And ah, that's about it. There are some cameos, some famous cameos in this. Um, which we will get into. There will be spoilers in this, folks. So buckle up. Um, that's as much as I can get out about the story right now. So Barry Anderson, you saw this movie last night. You just told me this before we went on air. Uh, I saw it on Monday, and today is Thursday. I wrote about it. I did not send it to you because I didn't want to spoil your uh, virgin brain. Um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So Barry Anderson, I'm I'm very intrigued to hear what did you think of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? Well, I'm going to state this: I am a I'm I'm a Sam Raimi fan. Um, for those that have not seen the classic movie Dark Man, um, I suggest watching it. I know he has not done a lot lately, and I thought it was very curious bringing Sam Raimi back into the <laughs> superhero world in the modern Marvel universe. So yeah. I'm hit and miss with Dr. Strange. I'm intrigued by the character, but yet I haven't had the connection that I have with some of the other ones in, in the series. So it's kind of like, I don't really know what to expect. So I'm going to go in. So <laughs> the long and short of it is what happened this movie i mean i don't even know where to start it casting atrocious like literally some of the worst casting i've seen in a movie yeah. in i don't know how long and this is marvel and i'm sure marvel and sam could have picked whoever the heck they wanted to i have no idea how they landed on some of the people in this movie because it was painful to watch and I got to say, all my acting friends out there that are struggling and trying to figure out how to make a break, don't see this movie because it will make you want to slit your wrist because you'll be like, well, how did they get in the movie? And I'm sitting here struggling because it it is it is that bad. Um, oh, geez. And then in terms of the plot. My, oh, my. Talk about like you, you look at a Christopher Nolan movie and people are like, "Ooh, it's smart and it's this and it's like smarter than I and I'm trying to figure it out. This movie was like just stuff they threw out there that had no connection with anything else, no rhyme or reason, no rules to follow, no stakes that were being had. You weren't sure people were made up if they were in the right time. Like it was just an unmitigated disaster from start to finish. Like I, I'm like, I'm like literally dumbfounded when I was watching it going like, how, how did this happen? Cause Marvel, even in Marvel's worst movies, you know, up until recently <laughs> i.e eternals you know there's been something redeeming about the movie boy oh boy 
if this is a harbinger of things to come for for marvel sell your disney stock immediately yeah it is the the bill is coming due and boy oh boy is it going to be an expensive bill yeah you know i think that's the salient point from this is that it feels like and it's a very strange thing because we just went through what, what was it uh 12 years of Marvel dominating the culture and the box office and part of a big reason for that was it was driving towards something and every movie no matter how good or how bad was a piece in that puzzle that would come together eventually with Infinity War and Endgame. Um, now, you and I have had problems with Marvel movies. Uh, I always tell the story of when we saw uh, Avengers Age of Ultron together in the theater, which we, we usually don't see movies together. And and just both of us having that experience of turning and looking at one another, just sort of being like, what is going on right now? Like we were just being assaulted by noise and yeah. just like, what the hell? So it's not like we're fanboys, but we also don't despise uh, comic book movies, quite the, the contrary. But it feels to me, and this movie is a perfect example, the way they were hyping this movie and the sort of buzz around it felt like this was an important movie in the new phase that we're in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which, you know, you can argue, did it start with, you know, it, 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 I, I just say post-Endgame. Um, you know, you could argue that that Spider-Man movie that came after that was not part of it, whatever. But, like, you look at these movies and... I mean, Shang-Chi is, I, I thought the first half of that movie was good, um, but then it's just sort of a mess. And, and, you know, Eternals is a disaster area. And then there's this. And Doctor Strange, off, uh, up front, I, I will say, uh, I wrote a review of the first Doctor Strange movie and got uh, an email from a reader and then had a correspondence with this reader who recommended a bunch of Doctor Strange comics to read, and I read them, and they were terrific. It's a great character. It really is. Like, in the comics, it's it's a terrific character. It's really... I really enjoy the comics quite a bit. Benedict Cumberbatch playing Doctor Strange is terrific casting. He is really good in the role. He's as good in this role as um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is as Iron Man. Like... We can, that cutting. we can come back to that statement, but carry on. <laughs> All right. But, but like, he's got the perfect combination of smugness and arrogance and yep. like that cutting humor. But these movies that they're putting him in, and he's been in a bunch lately, um, just a mess. They're just a mess. And it feels like, and I, and I agree with you a thousand percent on the casting. We're going to talk about some of that there's a performance in this film which is astonishing in how awful it is it, it it's there's only amazing. one well there are a bunch of bad performances but there's one where i was like 
this person should not be in front of a camera. Like, it's terrible. Boy, I'm wondering which one it is now. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, this movie is so, it's such a throwaway piece of junk. And they treat it that way. It looks dreadful. The effects in this movie are so second rate, subpar, junk. The story is, and I fear this is, this is what's happening with a lot of movie making and, and comic book movie making in particular, but this idea of the multiverse. And uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by the multiverse idea, not because I think it works very well, but because of what it may represent to our culture and being such a fractured culture in terms of people's belief systems that we have to have a multiverse where everybody's right. But this multiverse idea has become a narrative crutch that only serves to undermine character development and genuine storytelling. And that's in this movie, this multiverse, there isn't a single interesting universe of all the multiverses that they're looking at. It's, it's just what, it's like, oh, Wait, look, New York, what? they, one place uses green to mean yeah. stop and red to mean go. And I, I saw that and I was like, holy shit, how weak is that? My God, it's just laugh out loud atrocious. And look, Sam Raimi, and I don't think he's made a move, movie in, in like eight years or something. Yeah, he hasn't. I looked it up because I wanted to see how far removed he was from the Spider-Man movies because he basically kind of went silent after he did Drag Me to Hell in 09. He did Oz the Great and Powerful in 2013. And then he did a bunch of TV episodes between 2014 and 2020 and yeah. 2022. So it's what, six, seven, eight years between the last and Oz the Great and Powerful seems like a very that doesn't sound like sam raimi picked a movie it was like one landed in his lap and he's like i'm gonna take yeah. it not much coming my yeah. way yeah and you know he, he's got a distinctive style to him um he, he can be hit or miss for me but i have to say i recently watched the, his three spider-man movies the first two are very good and very well made yes um the third one's kind of you know it's a hot mess it's all over the place but you know if, if you make three superhero movies and two of them are good I mean, hey, you're, you're doing all right. Yeah. So, but this movie just feels completely detached from any meaning. It, it, it's completely, uh, it, it feels like a, just a, a two hour long commercial for future projects that may come along. And, you know, like, you sort of need to see WandaVision to understand this movie. You a little bit need to see What If to understand parts of the movie. But like, that's what it feels like we're in now. It's just like, oh, we have to have a multiverse so that number one, we can have diverse casting and inclusion and change up, you know, these, these you know, straight white male characters and get, you know, uh, like it, it, for instance, uh, in this movie, um, Haley Atwell plays Captain Carter, who is Captain America, but it's a woman and it's and she's British. Um, that sort of thing. 
which, you know, I, I understand that. I understand the business end of that. But like in terms of storytelling, none of these things have any staying power whatsoever. This movie is instantly, as you're watching it, you're forgetting it. Like from scene to scene, you're just like, I just don't know and don't care about any of this stuff. And it's it's really alarming. <coughs> Excuse me. Because this was supposed to be a big movie. And it's making tons of money. So let's well, not kid ourselves. It's, but like it's a big movie. <laughs> yeah, but but like if this is, I mean, where what? four or five movies into whatever phase this is, the post-endgame era. I mean, it still feels like it's just floundering that Marvel is in this, as I wrote about it. I said it's the Marvel malaise. They have nowhere to go. They don't know what they're doing. Well, the uh, I'm not a... I didn't grow up on comic books. I, I don't know a lot of the lure. Uh, but I, I have talked to several of my friends who are big comic book you know, aficionados. And I think I've even said it before in the podcast, but they said that this whole, you know, phase one to phase three, that kind of was the, you know, what put Marvel on the map, that they took the greatest story arcs from all of the great characters and did that first. So now when they yeah. spin off yeah. to go, it's like they can only go to material that's less good than what they did. So there's automatically going to be a diminishing returns of that and as they try to expand into more characters that are even less interesting with less interesting stories it's going to be harder to find the next iron man the next whatever and i think what's disappointing about this is a lot of times what we complain about with studios is they they pick safe choices they'll find a young director that they'll pay nothing studio controls it all so the fact that they went back to sam raimi and gave him control should be a good thing <laughs> And my biggest fear is, is what is coming of this will validate what we see. We don't need talented directors. Like this doesn't get us anything. And I know Kenneth Branagh, whether you like him as a director or not, you know, he at least was a competent director, but he did nothing with the first two Thor movies. Yeah. And they take this wild card and Tiki Watiti yeah. and literally changes the entire franchise to arguably be like, you know, maybe the new, Iron Man and how much people love Thor and that character yeah. and stuff like that. And it took the director to push the studio to do something outside of their box. And that's what's needed where this doesn't become stale. And this movie 100% falls in the sword that, again, apologize to the listening audience that listen to the same gripe all the time. There is no stakes and there are no rules in this movie whatsoever. So like yeah. you're supposed to be worried like, oh, and then this will happen. You're like, well, it doesn't matter because whatever happens, they'll just literally then the next frame change the rules and change it back so that it's fine. Like, like I'm never worried about anyone. I'm never worried that if they can't figure that out, there won't be a new hole that will open up in the walkthrough and now they can fix it in this one. And it just means that I'm just having to tolerate getting to the end as opposed to participating in the movie. And it is, it makes for... A, a super unenjoyable movie watching experience but b it means that i never have a connection with anyone in the movie but i'm going to change that a little bit i did have connections with people in the movie they were just the wrong connections <laughs> the connection of get off the screen who's the dumb schmuck that hired this person 
how did this part of the movie make it through the editorial process because this is just making the movie worse and when that's the thing that you can hang your hat on as an audience member at the end of the movie something went not just awry but you're just off in the weeds so deep and i, I literally this to me i don't know if did you ever watch the documentary of uh man of la mancha about the uh terry gilliam trying to make uh, yeah 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 a everybody needs to watch that documentary it's, if you if you love film and if you're a filmmaker it's almost a triggering type movie because you're like oh my god that's the same problems that every filmmaker has but like you're, you're just watching this train wreck that you can't solve i wish there was a documentary on this movie to explain how we got this train wreck like with sam raimi in a back room just going like this has been forced upon me like you know, can they show me the 3000 other audition tapes where I'm convinced that the person they actually cast you're like, yeah, they were definitely the best of every option in the entire world that we could have cast. Like, I don't, it literally escapes all forms of understanding. Like I can go to any small city in America, hire a local casting agent, and I can find a actor or actress that can be serviceable that is at least a hundred times better than at least a half a dozen people in this movie. And that's not saying much, like that's not a compliment to me. That's not a compliment to the acting talent in every city in America. <laughs> like it, it literally, I don't understand how this happened. It is as befuddling as anything. Like people want, you know, if you die and you're standing in front of the almighty and you get to ask a couple questions, this might crack the top 10. You know, why is there suffering yeah. in the world? Why God, is there disease? And God, how? And what happened with Doctor Strange and the casting in that movie? <laughs> yeah, please, I mean, Lord. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 that bad. Like I, it, it is it is shocking how bad it is. Um, and I, yeah, I'll I'll save my 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 topper when you ask for the final recommendation of the movie. Uh, I, I have the most perfect statement as told by my son. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's it's it really is. Sorry, you know, and look, e even if you're just going to this movie, which I think most people do, just for the spectacle of it, you know, oh, it's going to be Doctor Strange and his multiverse, and oh, it's going to be amazing to look at. Like I said, the effects in this movie are just laughably poor. So, it, it, like the opening sequence with this octopus thing i mean i felt like i was watching a kid's cartoon it was ridiculous I, I, I mean just absurd and then every universe they go to is basically just the same set with a slightly different color design yeah well like, what if, happened if this tells anything when you said the opening scene and i just saw it less than 12 hours ago and i'm frantically scrubbing my brain for what the opening scene was until you said octopus i'm like Oh yeah, that ridiculous scene. Um, that is an encapsulation of how memorable this movie is. But yeah. just take just take that scene alone. Again, no rules. Like if I actually broke down when they're in Doctor Strange's original, whatever this alternate universe where it's the bad evil genius Doctor Strange with this character America that starts like they're running away from this thing. And as the scene progresses, they get to the point where they're underneath this thing with like a million tentacles. And somehow they can avoid when it's over the top with a million tentacles, 
but they can't really avoid it when it's like half a city block away with a couple tents. <laughs> it's like it's like the opposite. You're like, wait, how are they doing this now? And it was just like it was convenient. So like she would jump up on a tentacle and do like a gymnastics flip past another tentacle. And this thing couldn't like I'm like, none of this makes sense. Like just from a, it would be like, hey, I'm being chased by a shark in the ocean. And you're like, OK, well, the shark's almost to you. But you're like, but now now I'm going to grab its fin and I'm going to spin around and ride on its back. And you're like, no, no, that's not, no, this, now it's just, you know, can you imagine? Speaking Roy, of which, Aquaman 2 comes out this fall, everybody. <laughs> excited for it. Roy Schneider riding <laughs> Jaws. I mean, that's, that's literally as absurd as what we're watching in that opening scene. Uh, it was, it's just, and then there's, and it, so the opening scene, he's at, at this wedding of, I, I can't even remember the character's name, but Rachel McAdams plays, uh, oh, what's her name? It, it, apparently, and I totally forgot this, she plays Christine Palmer, who was uh, a former girlfriend of Doctor Strange. No, I no memory of this for me whatsoever. And the two of them, I've never seen two people have less chemistry in my entire life. Well, I, I have, but it's it's very few and far between. And I'm a huge fan of Rachel McAdams. I think she's I love delightful. her. She's great, and she's she's just not good in this. It's a bad well, character. I, in my in my part of my questioning, I actually do like Benedict Cumberbatch, but I'm starting to wonder if he. We used to have this discussion a lot with you know people like Mel Gibson and stuff like that. That he, he used to be cast in romantic comedies. We'd be like, "Ooh, look at the chemistry." But it was almost like Mel Gibson, just out of sheer will, made you believe that he had chemistry with women. It wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. like to some people, you know, and there's female, you know, someone like um, uh, uh, not Julia Roberts, uh, Sandra Bullock. If you ever seen Hope Floats and the fact that you care that Harry Connick Jr. is a love interest, that's 100 percent Sandra Bullock, because that doesn't work if it's not Sandra Bullock. I think Benedict Cumberbatch doesn't have chemistry with women on screen. Yeah. I, I I I tend to agree. I just I, I just don't I, think that's a like if you're gonna make a new modern romantic comedy, he's the last on the list to cast because it's not gonna it's not there's not gonna yeah. be any sparks. Uh, yeah, I I forgot that Rachel McAdams was in the first one, but again, <laughs> it, it didn't it didn't matter. I forgot she was in this one. <laughs> yeah, well, I forgot I forgot the opening scene in this movie, but no, but I mean, if you just take a look at this movie, like, what is the purpose of her? Like, so he missed right. out on her. Like, like I'm even questioning, like, w- usually there's like, okay, this is a poetic moment or this is, you know, go back to Captain America. And like, you know, he lost Haley Atwell. And so he, this whole time, it's like, can he get over, you know, loving her and can he love someone else? Like what, and it, like, even though they were subplots, you know, would he have a relationship with so-and-so? Are, is he bonding with Black Widow? There was all these little things, but it was, that character's journey to deal with the grief of something that was outside of his control because he, you know, was noble, but then he was frozen forever and he lost like the love of his life. And it meant something. This was just like what Dr. Strange chooses to be Dr. And by the let's just talk about this. Dr. Strange without a doubt is the most irresponsible, incompetent person maybe in the human history, how the heck they allow him to be in the Avengers and around like, he needs to be locked up like they do Magnet- Magneto and like just like taking all powers away because I mean, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, is it Benedict Wong? Yeah. Like it's literally like he's got to literally follow around like he's 
you know, a toddler. He has to babysit Doctor Strange. Babysit. And I love Wong's character. He's delightful and like steals like the scenes. But like Doctor Strange originally felt like he had some competence to him and there's interesting. And then it would be interesting like when he make choices, but then it would end up bad. Now it's just literally there is nothing good. Like he can't do anything. He's not good at anything. Everything he does is not only not good and has unintended consequences. They're just outright bad. Like, I, like it's like they've wrecked the whole character that I'm like, I don't even know why I want to see Dr. Strange. Like I see him coming. I'm like, right. someone just take away his powers and just make him go away. Just be like, no, just you go, go to Australia. Just go away from the rest of us. So you can't screw anything up and we'll deal with from there. And I, I think that's a bad mistake where you're taking what could be again, that interesting character that you can kind of mix into it. And it's now just like, I don't want him around. Oh, that's not a good sign <laughs> when the title character is somebody you don't want around. Um, let's get into the the casting because I'm curious to hear um, who who is it that you are so outraged by in this movie? Well, there's three ones that stick out horribly bad. Two of them I can somewhat give a pass because they they were in Wandavision, but her kids are so oh, awful. <laughs> and the reason yeah, I, those kids are pretty terrible. I, I even forgot about how bad Oh, no, they're, yeah. they're so bad. I'll give a pass because when they cast for WandaVision, they didn't think they would have like a starring role in a feature film. And, I, right. and they were younger. But knowing, if I was directing that sequence, I would know like, well, this can't make the movie. Like these scenes are either just like, these are psychopathic murderers or these are the worst actors on, on planet Earth those just can't make the movie. And the fact that they made the final edit speaks poorly, but the casting of America. Oh yeah. Is yeah. literally one of the most painful things I've ever watched in my life. There there's nothing. There's no chemistry. There's no like, there's no depth. There's no intrigue. There's no concern. It is literally 100% wasted time. Every time she's on screen. And I'm like, yeah. wow, wow, how is that possible? It's I funny mean, because before, before I you say, just I would give the the equivalent, right? For those that watch Hawkeye, and you have um, what's her face, Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think that Haley Steinfeld would be as good as she is in that show, and she's pretty dang good. And it's oh, like that. Yeah. That's that's the that's the mark. It's kind of a similar character. They've already done it well. And now they come out with this and you're like, okay, everything that worked with Haley Steinfeld and Hawkeye, we're going to do all of it opposite in this and make sure that nobody likes anything. And I'm like, wow, who, who, who is in the room drinking the wrong Kool-Aid? Because boy, oh boy, did they miss on this one? Yeah, that was the thing. And in my review, I wrote about it. it I was shocked at how awful the actress's name, I believe it's pronounced Sochi. Sochi Gomez, um, she is absolutely atrocious in this movie. Yes. Every time she's on screen, even if she's not the focus of the scene, I mean, just the life runs out of, of the movie. She is just charisma-free, uh, dead-eyed. She's an atrocious, abysmal actor. It's really shocking 
And I, I was watching this, and I, you know, I, obviously, I work with a lot of actors, and just thinking, my God, like you could walk down the street in Los Angeles and find within an hour find 10 people who could do that role better than her like just walking around i would i would i would raise the six you could just literally throw well you wouldn't throw a dart at a person because that would hurt but let's say that you know you could like random i would i'd throw i'd throw a rocket (laughs) but if there if there's a security camera and someone just points there that's who you need to cast the movie i can get a better performance than that actress like she's oh she's awesome and i i i could get a better performance from people. I mean, I'm just like, she, she is awful. And the character itself, you know, has, has a, it's an important character in the future of, I think where they're going, which is bad news because this girl is just dreadful. And, and I, and I think I'm going to make another analogy to another Marvel character that had a better actress but like again a a a a troubled character to tackle because it's about the future but if you remember rogue in the x-men series yes yeah and and like all the stuff's you know going on you'd cut back to her and she's like i can't touch someone i want to kiss my boyfriend and you're like but this does not seem to fit with like charles xavier saving this and the world coming apart and destroying mutants and she's like i have to wear gloves and it just felt by the time that paid off, like you needed it, but it just felt like forced in the rest of the world. Yeah. And that's kind of yeah. how this felt only with a worse actress and worse understanding of like, what does this mean? Like what, what, what all does this come to? And again, never for all of the bad soliloquies and monologues and like talking to each other with, you know, not talking, not showing they just neglected to tell us anything of why any of what we're watching matters. Like yeah. what happens if they solve it? What happens if they don't solve it? Like, you, like you, none of it mattered. And I'm like, well, right. this is weird. <laughs> it was. And, and this character, America Chavez, uh, it's, uh, it, it, you, we know why they're going with this character. It's because Marvel and Disney want, you know, uh, a diverse and inclusive cast, and they they want to really center that. Uh, that's part of their corporate policy. Now you can debate whether that's a good or a bad thing, but that that's the reality. And so, but that doesn't be- that doesn't excuse casting a terrible right exactly like like that's my point. That's, is that's that, like, like insulting all. You know, I don't know if she would be considered Hispanic or Latina, but like, I guarantee there's at least a couple thousand better suited ethnic. Without question. Yeah. So like, it's not to me, it's not even about like what the that choice is. It's just that she's bad. Yeah. Not not good, not not compelling, just bad. Like just literally you watch it and you're like, wow, it would be like watching an animated movie. And then every once in a while you would cut to a scene and it's like a paper cutout, like, you know, doll. And then it goes back to right. And you're like, why do they keep cutting that weird paper doll? That's how jarring it is when she's on screen. <laughs> yes. But I think the point that, that I was trying to make was that they, they're trying to center that sort of corporate policy of diversity and inclusion. And so they don't care about the quality of it. 
they just it's like it checks a box and for them they just turn their brain off and they're like oh okay that's great and then you get into her backstory which is i mean i i, I don't know if you remember this but i i it literally made me laugh out loud so she's from a universe called the um utopian parallel that's her that's her main that's where she's born to um which apparently is a universe where everybody is a latina lesbian and <laughs> she's born she has two mommies and then she accidentally you know throws them into another universe or something and it's just like oh my god you could just see the writer's room where they're just like i know what we can do i know what we can do we can do this we can and it's just like oh my god and the funny part about that is that scene is so awful that you're just like i don't care what this woman's backstory is i just wanted her to go away i I let her go live in the utopian parallel where everybody's a Latina lesbian. It's just, it's, it's well, utterly bizarre. And it's just so awful. I'll pivot off that to go back to what I said before. The gatekeeper needed to be Sam Raimi. And Sam, and that's the other thing because he, it's so obvious. He, he's a hired hand who has no control over this. None. Thing. Because, None. because there's, there's no universe that he's sitting there in a casting session with this actress. And she's like, this is our star. This is the future of Marvel. We're state like there's no universe. I don't care how many multi universe Sam Raimi in every universe, infinitely on either side, would never pick this actress ever yeah. under any circumstance. And it's just like okay. So then you're like, oh well, they're using Sam Raimi's name, and you're like, wow, I didn't. I thought this was like a good comeback for him, but I realized this is literally like payment for services rendered because it's not getting other work but like it's in name only there is very yeah. little influence i mean when i watch shows like with my son we've been watching lost which is what's in 05 to whatever early 2010 2011 the visual effects from 15 years ago you know he'll just turn to me and go oh man <laughs> come a long way since then and i'm looking at him like <laughs> Yeah, those are bad, but I'm like, you know, that was kind of state of the art. That was, uh, and I watched this movie and I'm like, is Harryhausen, did they bring him back from the dead? There are scenes that look like something out of Clash of the Titans from the 70s. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, was this, is this a choice to like a nod back to the greats? Wink, wink. You know, I mean, the mummy, (laughs) the mummy in 1999 has infinitely better graphics than this movie does with whatever three times the budget with like decades of improvements. And you're like, what happened? Like, I, I don't understand. Maybe, maybe this is maybe, Oh, I got a new theory. Oh, Ooh, this is good. This is kind of nefarious. I'm wondering if Sam Raimi came back and they think they're doing him a favor and doing all this. And he's basically, this is his poison pill to Marvel because <laughs> he knows that they don't care <laughs> and so basically he's trying at every turn to make it so bad that it will start to like you know implode the submarine well if so mission accomplished well that, like Sam that's only, good for him this this theory is the only thing that makes sense to me that it's just like you know no one else is paying attention i'm going to set the whole ship on fire and jump before it goes down and he won't get the blame for it 
no one's gonna be like Sam Raimi can't direct because this movie's a train wreck. Right. Like it's like he's got immunity from judgment. And if anybody in a room is having a beer with him, it'd be like, yeah, I knew it was terrible, and I made it worse by doing this. And you're like, whoa, snap! <laughs> Good for you, well, man. I had a discussion with somebody the other day about the effects in this movie, um, and they made the argument that, oh, this is because this is how big sort of studios can cut corners and save money is by sort of half-assing the effects budget. And I said to them, I said, that's crazy. This movie has a $200 million budget. If they're trying to cut corners, they failed, right? (laughs) You're not saving any money. And it just, so I I don't think that that's true, but that's what my friend is saying. And think about this, the mummy. As the guy is like, you know, Emotep is like gaining stuff and you have a half his face. You look at Harvey Dent Two-Face after the acid. Yeah, yeah. Both of those two from 2008 and 1999, a thousand times better than yeah. the dead Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. as Doctor Strange. I mean, this literally would have been like the top sci-fi movie this is what they spend all their money to get the best out of it on a sci-fi channel if you've ever watched sci-fi movies on their channel they're awful yeah and their graphics are awful but like this is the this is if you would have told me that sci-fi produced this and they used their team i'd be like yeah i totally believe that like if i'm part of the visual effects team i'm embarrassed to put this on my 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 reel yeah if it's your first job and it's a big name but if you worked on like all these big movies for a decade or more I might pull my name off this one when I send out a resume and be like, I don't know. I don't know what happened with that one. I mean, the zombie Doctor Strange is like, it, he, he would be an extra in like the thriller video in 1984. Yes, yes. You know, like, I mean, it, it, it literally looks like the same exact makeup and you're like, ooh, yikes, man. Just, just brutal, brutal. All right, so let's get into the rest of the cast because I'm actually intrigued about some of this stuff. Um, we talked about Benedict Cumberbatch, who I, I think I like more as Doctor Strange than you, but I well, agree. I, so you. Here, here's my problem with Doctor Strange, because they're changing the character. If you even go back one movie with Spider-Man, No Way or No Way Home. Yeah. He was great. That's the closest he gets to uh, uh, Iron Man because there's kind of this like tit for tat with the young Spider-Man and it exactly, works. Yeah. But Robert Downey Jr. has a like once in a generation type charisma that can't be bottled. Like there's just something about him that just people respond to it. Benedict doesn't have that. And this character needs to play off of someone else. So when they just make him the center of attention and, or the people around him are subpar, it's like the reverse beer goggle effect. It's like he gets dragged down by everyone else. So it's almost like I'm from Minnesota and the Vikings are our, our, our quarterback. People talk about how bad he is and he's overpaid and all this sort of stuff. And so like the team basically has to do everything possible to make sure that in every possible way, the quarterback have everything they could possibly need just to be mediocre. <laughs> and I feel like that's exactly what they've done. To ben- I think Benedict has more talent than that, but just the way that he's perceived, if everything isn't perfect around him, it's like, you perceive it as worse than it really is. He can't elevate, but that means that you have to be aware of that so that everything around him has to be at a level so that he can rise. And I think in this movie, 
if you just compare this to the Spider-Man, you can see the difference of like, oh, I really like Doctor Strange and those one-liners and his cocky stuff. And then when it goes wrong and it's kind of funny because it's going wrong, that all works in Spider-Man. Zero percent of that works in this movie. So like you have to also understand what you're working with and how to how to team build in a film. I think that's accurate. Um, What's interesting to me is not only is relative newcomer uh, Sochi Gomez just uh, ungodly awful in this movie. Elizabeth Olsen, who is an actress (laughs) I genuinely like and who in WandaVision is amazing. Yeah. She is stunningly good in that tv show because she's so versatile she she hits all the right notes which with each of the sitcom things she's doing she's playing the same character in uh dr strange and she is awful she is dreadful in this movie she feels so uncomfortable on camera uh the thing i kept noticing which you know is an actor coach thing She's totally off her voice and off breath throughout. It's really weird because any sort of hack of a director is going to notice that and be like, hey, hey, wait a minute. Let's wait get minute. you settled. I didn't notice that. What are you saying about that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, if you're working with somebody, you can tell yeah. if, oh, I, if they're like yeah. not connected. And she's so not connected. She feels so uncomfortable on camera. And it's shocking because. Like I said, she has churned out some remarkable performances. I mean, that Marcy May, Marlene, whatever movie from about 2010 or 2011. She's terrific in that. That was sort of her big movie breakout. Uh, Wind River, she's very good. Um, I mean, take take it right back. And again, in WandaVision, she's great. You know, WandaVision, she's fantastic. And it is such a wild ride in so many different tones. That it's not just like some actors, you get them in the right role and it's like, don't stray from that lane and you'll do great. But if you stray from the lane, it's like her, her breadth of talent is wide enough where nothing in this movie should be a challenge for her. And yet when you watch it, it is like, it's almost like if you get to, you know, you watch Marlon Brando, but then you could somehow go back to like a home movie when he's 13 and you can see he hasn't quite developed the chops that he, you know, eventually got to. Only you never see that in the middle of someone's career. You never go like, oh, so this is what you were like <laughs> in the family performance in front of everyone at Thanksgiving. It, it is so, it's not even that it's uneven. It's like she's not trying. It, I don't know how to describe it. It is so weird because A, there's no possibility that she did that by accident. I don't know if Sam Raimi told her. I don't know if they went for some technique that like they overthought it and somehow ended up with the dreadful performance that it was like, I am confused with Sam Raimi and her talking to get together, how that performance came to be. That is maybe the most puzzling thing of the whole movie, because I can't, I can't find an Avenue where that makes sense. I mean, you have things like yeah. apocalypse now where everyone's like on LSD stone drugged and they can get up and have a performance. These are two in theory, rational sober people that are talented and they ended up with that and you're like mm, maybe lsd was needed in this movie i don't know right. <laughs> it's it's so weird because it's so unfocused and so scattershot it's just it's really shocking and 
part of it, because I, I know I've been in situations like this, part of that is the director's fault. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, and, and you can only do so much as the actor, you know, because you only have so much power, but like, holy crap, it's, it's dreadful. Um, let's get into some of these other performances. As we said, Rachel McAdams is Christine Palmer, uh, baffling to me, just baffling. I don't know what she's doing. Well, it, no, it, I do. It, she was doing nothing. Like right. literally nobody. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I could just imagine her walking around the set asking like, so what, what you know, what do you want me to do? What's my motivation? Like, and instead of her picking one, she's just like, if no one's going to tell me, I'm just going to deliver every line. Like I am in a read through where I'm not actually inflecting anything. And when they tell me to change, I'll pivot in that direction. And nobody bothered to tell her, hey, um, the fact that you're not trying or doing anything right now, let's have less of that and more of this over here. And she got through the whole movie where nobody noticed that she wasn't trying. Because again, she's a talented actress that bafflingly is so forgettable and so non-interesting and so nothing. There was never nothing. a scene where you're like, oh, there, that's why she was in the movie. You're just like, wow. Literally, I could have just cut out those scenes and, it, you know, I could have just heard that he went to a wedding of a former lover. And right. Oh, well. And then I didn't need any scene with her in the whole movie. I never need to see her. And that's bad. When you hire Rachel McAdams, you want to see her in the movie. Right. Yeah. And then uh, another one that shocked me is Michael Stolberg, who plays this guy, Nicodemus West. He has boy, a, oh some, boy, boy, right? oh boy. <laughs> he here's an actor who. I mean, he, he has been spectacular in some things. I, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the Coen Brothers film um, oh, uh, um, that yeah. he starred in. Uh, I have to the, the name quiet, of the movie. A Serious Man. Yeah, Serious Man. A great movie. He is so great in it. And in this movie, he shows up for a scene and you're like, oh, it, it, I forgot Michael Stolberg was in this universe. Great. And then it's it's like he's ordering a sandwich. You're you're just like, wait, what? And he he's he looks he's, so weird. He, he looks weird. I don't know what he's he, doing. It's I mean so I bizarre. I'm wondering if like I again, does Sam Raimi have blackmail blackmail material on him? Did they talk about, hey, let's get you in this movie, get you a huge payday. I want you to dress like, I want you to not shower, come annoy everybody on set for the two days you're there. Give me your worst performance without letting anybody know that you're acting poorly and then go home. Like, I'm starting to think this whole thing is like some master genius class in Sam Raimi, you know, mind effing everybody in the studio because it, it defies any, like, there's no way that he's that bad of an actor there's no yeah, way that it's a, it's impossible it, you it's have impossible. to be trying to be that awful yeah, yeah. I, like and it's not like you've seen movies where like the directors be like just be crazy just you know and and, and you kind of see like okay this is kind of campy it's not that it's like a choice of like awful but not the good awful like literally the bad bad awful <laughs> and I, I i couldn't get over it just every scene i was like what is going on? I thought I was, you know, the madness of King George. It was the madness of Barry. Well, watching this movie going, what is happening? <laughs> now we have to talk about, um, this is, this is spoilery. It, it's, it is a spoiler. Are we talking Sorry. about Mr. Campbell? No, although that just drove me crazy. I, <laughs> what are we doing? 
But here, here's what I want to talk about is at one point they're in the universe uh, and they have to go in front of the quote-unquote Illuminati, uh, which are these oh, famous yeah. superhero people. Um, and this is this is the cameo portion of oh, the movie. And, you know, a friend of mine is in this scene, Sir Patrick Stewart. Um, Pat and I go way back. Was that, was and, that, was that before or after uh, his demise? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I actually, <laughs> I actually saw him in New York. This is this is in the nineties, and uh, I remember I saw him having lunch out in uh, on a sidewalk cafe with his. He was on Broadway at the time, and he was having lunch with his much younger co-star, um, and they were quite affectionate with one another. <laughs> and I remember sitting there going. Good to be Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Good for you, man. But it was just so he's he plays he reprises his role as Professor X, which was kind of cool in in a way because you know the the X Men movies were Fox properties and now they're over and Disney bought Fox, so they now have the X Men properties. So that's coming in the future that they're gonna combine these things. He's not very good in the movie. It's very weird. It, he seems considerably no. older than he is. No, it's not weird. Oh, you're this, right. You're right. This is Sam Raimi <laughs> talking to all these legendary people like, okay, remember when they didn't let us make a fifth X-Men movie? This is how we're going to stick it to them. And they're like, yeah, we're in. We're in. Yeah. I, I mean, he and literally he, looked like he was like 97 years old. He did. But I don't, I don't think it was makeup. Like, I don't know if he just didn't sleep for a week and he was on a bender and he showed up for it was one day of filming. I was like, is he on screen? I was like what is happening? That's what, I was wondering if he had a stroke too. I was like, wow, this is weird. And I see him in interviews and other stuff and he seems to be, like I see him on uh, Picard. I'm like, what, right. what did they do to him? I mean, I can see as an actor, as you get older, you don't want to see yourself age on screen. If I was his people, I would be absolutely irate. I'm like, what are you trying to do? Kill his career and think that like Patrick Stewart's one one breath away from death? But yeah, he looked right. awful in this movie. The one that killed me in this <laughs> Illuminati scene was John Krasinski, oh, who God. is Jim from The Office, plays Reed Richards. Now, Reed Richards is a very famous member of the Fantastic Four. He's like the smartest man in the universe. He's, he can stretch, you know, that whole thing. Uh, <laughs> I Now, obviously, and this is how it works on big movies most of the time, they couldn't get everybody's schedules together. So they shot these Illuminati people at separate times, but they're supposed to be sitting next to each other yep. and doing this scene. John Krasinski's eyeline <laughs> in that scene He's supposed to be talking to Doctor Strange, who's down in front of him. And it's like he's talking to a lamp on the other side of the room. I don't know what's happening. His eyeline is all screwed up. He looks ridiculous. He sounds utterly absurd. It, and people are like, oh, great. Krasinski's playing Reed Richards. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I like John Krasinski. He's very good in the office. He's very good in a quiet place. Uh, I'm all on board. He is the worst choice for Reed Richards, I can imagine. Him and his dopey big ears. He looks like an idiot. And he's supposed to be the smartest man in the universe. And he's dreadful in about 
30 seconds of screen time, he manages to just be like, hey, I wonder how awful I can be in under a minute in the major motion picture. And he pulls it off. You're literally following the theory. It's like, true. The, I the, think you've cracked the code, Barry. I, you should be part of the Illuminati. Yeah. <laughs> you control the universe. Well, I tried to get my schedule to align, but it didn't work. And by the time they just had to, to move me on. So I was going to be in that scene, <laughs> uh, a director cameo, but uh, Sam Sam had to cut me out. Um, the other I was, thing I was about- the only person bad enough not to make the edit. So if that tells you anything about my acting skills. <laughs> the other thing about Reed Richards is I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, that's Reed Rothschild. And I'm like, no, that's not his name. What, Reed Rothschild, what, where am I getting? So Reed Rothschild is um, uh, John C. Riley's character in Boogie Nights. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm like, I would love to see, instead of Reed Richards in this role, I'd rather see John C. Riley reprising his role as Reed Rothschild and be on the Illuminati. That's a better movie. And Sam Raimi should have done that instead of having Jim from The Office with his dopey big ears standing up there trying to act like he's smart dope <laughs> the oh the, man the blue screen green screen cutout of yeah. john krasinski oh. it, it it like what we marvel at is that technology has come to the point where we can see every pore everything's clear and this was as grainy as poorly lit as poorly keyed it was like frosted like someone had licked the lens before he came on i was like what? This this had the video quality of Princess Leia's video coming out of R two D two in the first Star yes, Wars. Yes, that's a very good. <laughs> just like, what are we doing? What is happening right now? I, I it's think the he, most baffling thing. I think he hired like a DP from like nineteen sixty something. He's probably like ninety eight years old. Has never used a digital video camera. He's got cataracts. And like literally, they didn't give him an AC and he's just hitting buttons. And then they put, what is this? And Sam's like, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I love it. Sam Raimi as like the, uh, the, the, the secret spy destroying yep. Marvel. Good for him. I love it. I think, I think I love- he, ta- he talked with, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, um, uh, uh, not Coppola. Who's uh, uh, got a uh, good fellas? Scorsese. Yeah. So he talked to Scorsese. It's Scorsese. All right. Us good directors. We got to put an end to this. <laughs> so he's in, he's in the Scorsese mob, and he's in there trying to take down uh, Disney. And uh, this was their this was the first hit of many to come. Uh, I want to watch this again with this this lens on. I think this would be I know. enjoyable to watch. I think it's phenomenal. I'm going to write about it and pretend I thought it up. I think it's yeah. great. <laughs> Good. Yeah, definitely um, don't give me credit for it. I'm wondering if he's still on the Sony payroll because he did the Spider-Man movies with Sony. And this is Sony. Well, they, because they're fighting they're doing. So Yeah. They, yeah. I think, I literally think it has to be something like that. I'm, I, think, like, I think people think I'm joking, but I'm not. Because I don't, I, I'm all in on this one. Yeah, I think it's astonishing. I mean, remember, re- remember are. our favorite director, uh, uh, John McTiernan, and how like one day he woke up and like was busted by the FBI for basically yes. like, tapping. Like weird stuff like that happens in Hollywood. Like I, like I would not yeah. be surprised at all if Sony's like, okay, I know that we didn't let you do this, but like we have history together. Wink, wink. <laughs> we'll give you a taste of you know, especially if he returns to direct a Spider-Man movie. 
I know. Right? I, I think that's what's going on here. And then what's and, funny is know, that movie will be like perfect. And you're like, well, what happened? You're like, oh, that was Sony's pocketbook, not Disney's. And Raimi's famous for uh, as <laughs> for wearing a suit to work. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, anybody who's ever worked in the film industry knows that most people look like vagabonds when they show up to oh, yeah. work, yep. you know? And so Raimi shows up with a suit and it sort of sets him apart. So he's sort of like the James Bond of filmmakers, you know, because he's all dapper and everything. And so I wouldn't be shocked if he were a secret agent, yep. just undercover to destroy the Marvel behemoth. This, which this I, is I, I just Raimi love it. from a different multiverse. Yes. <laughs> traveled through time to take down. It's like Terminator. They're coming back to destroy you know, yep. uh, whatchamacallit, uh, before it comes online. Disney's he's, bringing he's, us toward one thing and Sam Raimi's trying to save the world. That's what this movie is. Sam Raimi is from the dystopian parallel and yes. he's come here. <laughs> he's come here to save us from whatever the hell Marvel's doing to us. Good for him. Save so, us from the Barry, quality acting that was in this movie. Oof. We've, we've, uh, we've had some fun with... Uh, this is maybe my favorite podcast. Because literally, I didn't know. I couldn't sleep last night. I'm like, we have to pot about this tomorrow. And I literally don't know what to say. Because it's that bad. Like, this movie is so awful on so many levels that are inexplainable. Like, when I saw The Eternals, it just was a bad movie. But it was like, the story wasn't good. The characters weren't good. The directing wasn't good. And you're like, okay, it's just a bad movie. This movie, like, has elements that should work. And then they were so bad. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And it's it, right now, it's at 715 million uh, worldwide. Second well, that, highest. So people say that film just, for the year. I go back and say Avatar made two point whatever billion. So yeah. clearly, moviegoers don't care about quality. Like, that's not a thing because that would not be the movie that would make two and a half billion. By the way, did you see the new preview? I the- saw the preview. I was like, what are we doing, America? If that literally was not maybe the worst preview that made you want to go oh. to sleep, I I think that they're going to have a bloodbath on their hands. I think that movie's not going to make anything. <laughs> I think- I, I'm, I'm fascinated because the first movie was a spectacle yes and people enjoyed the spectacle but it's a terrible movie it, but the um, reason it made so much money is because it was like that was the birth of 3d yes, that was supposed yes. to be the future well that yeah. future died immediately following that movie yes so and as every day to... passed the movie lost more and more of its sort of standing yeah and the funny thing is is that it reminds me of like uh anchorman 2 Anchorman 2 came out like 10 years or something after Anchorman when like nobody wanted Anchorman 2 at that point. Now, if you'd made it a year after Anchorman, you'd be like, great, Anchorman 2. No, I've never met anyone in my entire life who's been like, man, I wish they'd make Avatar 2. God, I, I really need to see no, what happened. I couldn't tell you what happened in Avatar. Not How two. am I going to care what happens now? Not 2, not 3, not 4. Not five. I think there's six. They greenlit at least four more. Four. You and I four both know what's going to happen. <laughs> that Cameron, Mr. Ego, it, they're going to start pulling money back from him. Well, I think I think he shot. Plug. I think he shot two or three of them back to back, so they can't pull it. Oh, jeez. Like there's there's guaranteed oh. to be multiple Avatar movies 
unless they just tell Cameron to jump off a bridge and sell it to Netflix, and it's a new Netflix series called Avatar. Boy, there's a whole oh. madness universe coming up with James Cameron, but I've gotten us way off track. But I, I could I, see. I'm I'm curious now. I have to look this up. Uh, I have to look it up. <laughs> Everyone's like, I came for the. What is happening right now? Yeah. Um, okay. This is the other thing. So the name of the movie is Avatar: The Way of Water. Yeah. What? Worst title ever. <laughs> yeah, but it says that the four Avatar sequels from 2020 to 2028. So there's four now, more of these. Now, what's interesting is that it's a who yeah, 20th Century Studios produced it, which of course is owned by Disney. Would not be shocked if they already have this if if they start just Oh, we're releasing it on Disney Plus. Yeah, that, that yeah. Well, right. Most so then, all of a sudden, you have like it's a quote unquote prestige thing, you know, all that nonsense. Um, but boy, that trailer looks just that looks bad. Ooh, rough, rough business. Um, but yeah, that's going to be hysterical. But I, I think you're right. I, I don't think it's going to make a ton of money. I think it will make money, but it won't make a ton. And you're going to see diminishing returns. I think uh, the first pretty quickly won't even make its budget back. Like it's gonna be that big of a drop off. Really? Okay. I'll be interested. I I, I think I'll I'll say it won't make money if you include the marketing. Um, so you basically take the budget and double it. It's not gonna make money. It won't surpass that. But it'll be look. I I, I thought I know other people in the industry I talked to who, who said this Dr. Strange movie was going to bomb. And I said, you know what? I don't think it will because the way they're hyping it, it's, it's supposed, it feels like an important movie. So people well, feel they have to see it. You, you know what the trick was? You have a little bit of like, just people love Marvel just the way I've had my theory on Pixar when Pixar was in its heyday. It takes a while, a couple duds to kind of you know rub the shine yeah. off of it. And we're in the yeah. rubbing off the shine right now with Marvel. Yeah. You're but right. Marvel, because the whole No Way Home, all the cameos worked so well to promote, that's when you started. I don't I mean I John Krasinski was in it, Emily Blunt was supposed to be in it. They had rumored that Tom Cruise was going to be an alternate like right. Iron Man. Right. So basically every news story, everyone's like, oh my God, they're going to open up all this right. stuff. And then you watch it and you're like, none of that happened except for John Krasinski who had Vaseline rubbed on the lens and we couldn't see what was happening. Uh, that's not the excitement of seeing Tobey Maguire walk back on screen or seeing Andrew Garfield get to redeem himself. Like you're like, no, you got to have payoff for these crazy ideas, which they did not have in this movie. And that's what I mean by the multiverse being a crutch is that they're sort of out of ideas and now they have to sell fan service. Uh, so, and people are going to the movie for that fan service. And so Spider-Man No Way Home, which, uh, you know, was great fan service, but not a great movie, not particularly well made. Um, it succeeds as fan service because it's so satisfying on that level and it's able to cross studio lines and uh all this you know time and different sequels and so you're like oh i feel satisfied for having seen all those movies leading up to this um 
What Marvel's trying to do is try to create that on the fly and create it as fan service, but it can't really work as well as fan service because we're not connected to John Krasinski as Reed Richards. Well, we're, um, we're not even connected. Most people you know, haven't seen all the what ifs and only a few people have seen right, one. Right. So it's not exactly. like everybody saw Spider-Man when yes. he came out. Toby yeah. Guire was like, he was an institution in yeah, huge. pop culture. Like the things that Marvel's now playing off of are not anywhere near that. Right. A minor hit show on Disney Plus is not, right. you know, cultural making event. Right. And so the this sort of notion of the multiverse and the storytelling options from that are uh, actually going to be sort of the rope that they use to hang themselves because you're not creating original material that can stand on its own. And that is interesting. It doesn't work. If you're just doing bells and whistles, it's like buying a car that has all the bells and whistles, but you know, it can only go 30 miles an hour. <laughs> right. You're like, Oh, this is terrible. So that's what it, feels like and it feels like oddly enough with the success of uh spider-man no way home that that was a pretty pivotal moment in the movie business it was a peak right same with endgame endgame was a peak and then we were a little lower down like we had a pretty big crash post endgame and then a peak another peak which was below endgame but still it was no way home and creatively it felt like the super mark superhero thing peaked with in 2019 with endgame and with joker yeah a, a joker is basically a small independent movie wrapped in uh comic book ip makes over a billion dollars uh ends up being loathed and loved it's one of the more prescient films you'll see in the last 20 years. It accurately predicted nine months ahead of time what was going to happen the, the following summer. And it felt like, you know, sort of the, like it was like Unforgiven, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood's genre ending Western, where it's like, oh, okay, I guess we have finally Clint Eastwood of all people is just like westerns are over everybody I just finished them you're welcome and it feels like that you know and it feels like now we're just sort of playing out the string with Marvel uh I just don't know what the hell they're gonna do you know no idea that's what I think I know <laughs> I know I know what Sam Raimi's doing I don't know what this do. That's, right. that's, that's the important I, I now love Sam Raimi more than anything. <laughs> uh, so, Barry, we've been having fun with this movie. Bottom line, what do you think? Recommend it? Don't recommend it? I'm gonna, uh, I'm what gonna, did your son say? This is this, I'm, My recommendation is what my son said. So, he's like, I've already seen it. So, I'm like, okay, if he wants to go see it again, it's going to be the big thing for me of whether or not it's good. And he's like, I think I'll take a pass. <laughs> and Doctor Strange is probably his favorite character in the Marvel Universe. So I'm like, ooh, that's not good. So I just, wow. I pried a little bit more. I'm like, so like, you know, 
And he's like, well, they leaned a little bit into the, the, it was more of a horror movie. I'm like, okay, well, okay. And, (laughs) and then he pauses and he goes, I would rank this ever so slightly ahead of the Eternals. Oh, and I said, and I said, so it's that bad. He's like, it's that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Oh man. I, I concur I, with your son. It's it's one to ten, but my son said the Eternals is ten. <laughs> That's the lowest <laughs> notch, and this is barely above it. And I was like, wow, wow. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, if you're somebody who like is a completist in terms of Marvel and stuff, just wait till it's on Disney Plus. You know what I mean? Like, what? You don't need to see this movie. And even if you're somebody who's who's you know a fan, but more a casual fan of these movies, you really don't need to see this movie. It's 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 not a good movie, and it's also not gonna satisfy any sort of narrative arc where you're like, oh, what happened with Wanda? <laughs> you know, you're just like, who cares? No need to see the movie. I love your theory that uh, Sam Raimi is <laughs> is destroying Marvel from you know the calls coming from in the house. Uh, I love it. Terrible movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I would say see it to to support Sam Raimi, but that has the the alternate effect of what he's right. Doing. The opposite effect of what he's trying but, to but do. But the nice I part is Sam Raimi. is because it's doing well financially. People could be like, oh, do you destroying? It's like, no, no, wink, wink, knowing that people will have a sour taste, which will in the long, long run destroy Disney, but it doesn't look like he's doing it. So it's like, this is working right. out better for him than he could have imagined. Look, the, he's an evil he succeeded. The, the well has been poisoned. Yeah. We, we just exactly. haven't drank enough yet. Yeah. Correct. Correct. All right, everybody. Uh, that's our review, our, our very fun podcast on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It's it's bad, folks. This is this is not a great universe to, to see. Maybe this movie's better in a different universe. That would be I'd hope so. Uh thanks for listening. We will see you next time at the movies. <laughs>